What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we're going to be diving into Andy Stanley in a recent sermon that he did where he dives into the realm of apologetics. We're going to be talking about whether he strayed into theological liberalism, whether he's really trying to outsmart the Bible, and whether he's actually giving a convincing case to an atheist in the audience that Jesus is Lord. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. This is based off a recent sermon that he gave titled Investigating Jesus Part 1. Somebody had to tell it, given on March 7, 2022. So without further ado, let's dive into this. Don't forget to like the video. Also subscribe to the channel as we you know, give a very fair analysis of you know someone who's very much not a very biblical teacher, if I might be honest. But we're not going to take his words out of context. There's plenty of words in context if we want to use that against Andy Stanley. But this went viral recently, and that's why we're going to be addressing it today. So, um, here is what might be an uncomfortable question for some of us, and um, an interesting and maybe even helpful and surprisingly honest question for others of us. When it comes to knowing if there is a God, and if there is a God, what God is like, and when it comes to trying to figure out who God likes, does it really come down to the Bible tells us so? Or any other religious literature tells us so? I mean, we're modern people, rational people. Are we really expected to believe what we believe or believe anything based on a collection of ancient manuscripts written by potentially dozens of men only um, who didn't even know each other over the course of hundreds and hundreds of years in a world um, without science in the way that we think of modern science and um, in a world where everybody believed in the gods or some kind of God. I mean, let's just be honest, all right? Weren't they just making stuff up? I mean, weren't they just guessing Weren't they just looking at the, you know, weather patterns and trying to, you know, make sense of something that just didn't make any sense in that time? And along with that, and maybe this is kind of intersects with your life, should we really be surprised that modern people, it seems more and more are kind of dismissing faith in general or deconstructing their faith, the terminology that we use now, we begin to ask really hard questions or what seem to be hard questions about faith and realize we don't really have answers. And it's not that we're sure that we're right, that religion is wrong, but because we're not sure that religion is right, we just kind of step back and it's like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not sure about that anymore. I mean, should we be surprised more and more people are doing that or to make it personal? Um, should we be surprised that perhaps that's where you are or are you surprised that that's where you are? that maybe you're in the process of walking away or you just have so many questions, you're starting to lean away or maybe you're listening or watching today. And honestly, nobody in your family knows this yet, but you have your hand on the doorknob. I mean, you're about to step away and outside of faith and you're not sure how your family's gonna respond, your friends are gonna respond, maybe even your employer is gonna respond, but you're just kind of leaning that way. And, if you know the, all there is to this is the Bible tells us so, then we shouldn't be surprised. And you should be honest with yourself. I mean, if, if in fact the Christian faith 
balances precariously on the edge of ancient declarations of superstitious men? Well then, why not? Why not? I want to pause right here because this is where you kind of try to outsmart the Bible. And, you know, guess what? Our faith does hinge on Scripture. It does. It entirely hinges on Scripture. So I, I'm going to read one of my favorite verses to articulate the gospel. And that is 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 3 and 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So that is one instance of it being clear that Christianity hinges on the legitimacy of the scriptures. Because if those scriptures which Jesus fulfilled are illegitimate, then, you know, again, so is our faith. And he's trying to make the argument that it's not. And that does not hold up. That This does stray into theological liberalism. But, as it turns out, and the reason we're talking about this, and maybe this is new, or maybe this is a reminder, or maybe it's just something you've heard before, but you need to hear it again, or maybe it's the thing you've always believed, but you need some more terminology. The, the, the truth is, Christians are not expected to believe what we believe based on a collection of ancient manuscripts written by men who never met each other over the course of hundreds of years in a time when everybody was superstitious and everybody believed in the gods and there was no modern science. That the foundation of our faith, and we talk about this a lot here, the foundation of our faith is far more substantial than that. It's far more sustainable than that. It's even, as we're gonna discover, it's even investigable, investigable, which is actually a word. I don't like it. I, I like the word. Okay, another pause right here. And again, there is nothing more firm a foundation for our faith than scripture. Again, the fifth sola of, the Protestant Reformation is according to Scripture alone, or on the basis of Scripture alone, meaning that Scripture is the highest authority. It is the realm that um, is the ultimate authority on the credibility of the gospel and what it teaches. So with that said, uh, I do want to read out of Romans chapter 1, not these, you know, not, not the... Uh, mean part, but where Paul articulates the gospel briefly in chapter one in the beginning in his greetings, um, which he promised, and this is starting in verse two, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who is born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of, the, of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring uh, about obedi the obedience of, the, of faith among the Gentiles for his namesake, among whom you are also called of Jesus Christ. So that, that is Romans 1 two through six. And again, another instance where faith is based on scripture. The credibility of Jesus is based on scripture. It's based on the prophecies. 
It's based on the prophecies. It's also based off the event of the resurrection. But it, the life of Jesus does hinge on his fulfillment of the prophecies. His legitimacy as a Messiah hinges on his, his being the fulfillment of the prophecies in the Old Testament. So it does. our faith is based in the scriptures. And to say that our faith is not based in the scriptures, it's based off an event, is... To use Andy Stanley puns, it is to unhitch the gospel from the Bible. Now, Andy Stanley famously gave a sermon about three years ago where he famously unhitched the Old Testament from the New Testament. But this is an instance where Andy Stanley is trying to unhitch the Bible from the gospel. And the re- most of this sermon or lecture does go back to the credibility of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, which is a very interesting inconsistency for this lecture. Word investigatable, but as it turns out, that is not actually a word. And the people who keep me between the lines grammatically said, you can't use your word. You have to use the actual word. So this is it. So the good news is the Christian faith is investigable, which means we are invited to kick the tires and you're invited to ask those hard questions. And as those of us who are Christians, we don't have to look the other way and shrug and go, I don't know, it's a mystery. You know, as soon as we start talking about faith, we just have to take it by faith, which when you say that, even when you think that there's something on the inside of you that says, you know what, that kind of works for me, but it's not working for my son-in-law and it's not working for my daughter and it's not working for the people at work and it's not working for the people who ask me those hard questions, but it's just, it's just what you got, it's what we were raised with, it's you know, basically what we were told. But the Christian faith does not rise and fall based on the accuracy or the inerrancy of 66 ancient documents that we call books of the Bible. Yes, it does. It entirely does. See, this is where Andy Stanley goes into theological liberalism. That is a heretical statement. That is a heretical statement. Christianity is all about the Bible. The Bible is God's word. The Bible is God's word. That means if it is... If it contains lies, then God is a liar. That's what that means. So otherwise, again, both of the passages that I just read um, pretty much declare that the Bible is based off Scripture, that the gospel is based off Scripture, that our entire faith does hinge on the Bible. It does. It simply does. And for him to do that is how you get into theological liberalism, to say that the we believe in yeah, you know, we're starting to limit what we believe. Okay, so you know, it starts out saying, okay, not everything in the Bible is inerrant or true, and then you basically get into metaphorical resurrection real quickly. After that, Jesus wasn't really born of a virgin. Uh, Jesus didn't really bodily rise from the dead. Uh, some of those miracles didn't happen. That that goes into that really quickly. Because you've already said that the Bible is not authoritative. And yet, and yet, Andy Stanley is going to defend the Gospel of Luke and the credibility of the Gospel of Luke, despite saying that it doesn't have to be authoritative for Christianity to be true, which is asinine. It's asinine to say that the Bible doesn't have to be accurate in order for Christianity to still stand. It has to. And it is. That's the beauty of the Bible, is that it is inerrant. 
It is authoritative. It's without error. That's the beauty of the Bible. And that's why we can rely on its account of Jesus. It rises and falls on the identity of a single individual, Jesus of Nazareth. So if you're curious about faith and you're moving in the direction of faith, or you're curious about faith and you're returning to faith, or you find that you're kind of losing faith or you're losing your interest in faith, here's the question that you should wrestle with. And the question to wrestle with is not, is there a God or is the Bible true? In fact, is there a God and is the Bible true? Those are generally off ramps to faith, not on ramps to faith. But here's the question. And it's, it's not a question that perhaps you've ever been invited to ask before. And, and if you are a person, again, who grew up in church like I did and you've sort of are losing it or you've lost it or you're not even interested anymore. In fact, the only reason you're watching today is because you're staying with friends and they're making you watch this or they sent this to you to say, hey, you should really watch this. You know, this is gonna help get you back. Here's the question that you've never been invited to ask and it's not your fault at all. It's, it's the church's fault. The, the question to ask when it comes to is Christianity something even worth taking seriously or even worth considering? The question is this, is Matthew, Mark, Luke, or not and, or John a reliable account of actual events? This is the issue, this is the question when it comes to Christianity. Is Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, any one of the four, a reliable account of actual events? Because if any one of these four is an actual account, a reliable account of actual events, then what they say about Jesus of Nazareth is true. And if what they say about Jesus of Nazareth is true, game on, faith on. You should press on. You should lean in. For those of you who are Jesus followers, your faith is not in vain. Now. The reason that this is so confusing for so many of us is the way that the Bible was first introduced to us. And so to help you understand that, I need a timeline, but I can't draw. So anyway, so I asked my friend, Joel Thomas, if he would come and draw one for me. <laughs> for those of you who don't know Joel, he's the lead pastor of Buckhead Church. and He's really good at this and um, I try not to hate him for it, but anyway, um, and just to make He's sure that I didn't take credit this. for his work, look, he actually initialed the chalkboard. So everybody, actually, I asked him to do this. Okay, so this is super important, okay? Here is, and if you don't hear anything. He asked him to initial it just so he can make that bit. That's worth pointing out. Else today, okay? Remember, if you need something on a chalkboard, Joel Tom, no. If you don't hear, hear anything else today, this is the story of the Christian faith in a nutshell, Okay. There was an event, we talk about this, the resurrection of Jesus, and immediately following the resurrection of Jesus, there was a new movement. It was called a Nazarene sect. It was called the way. Um, it was the ecclesia or the gathering of Jesus that eventually was called the church. And immediately upon these events happening, people who were involved in the story actually documented the events for us. This is where we get the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts. And all of this happened in the first century. In fact, all of this, it could be argued, I, I would argue persuasively that all of this happened before 70 AD, before the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. 
So within 35 years or 40, if you stretch it from the time of Jesus, something happened, it started a movement and the movement was documented, you know, as in written down documented by the people who were part of the movement. And then 300 plus years later, the first Bible was assembled. Now, the reason, and we'll talk more about this in just a minute. The reason this is important is this. The story of Jesus is not a Bible story. The story of Jesus or the narrative or the, the life of Jesus is why there is a Bible. Jesus is the reason for the Bible. So when we were growing up, somebody gave us the Bible and there's all kinds of story about David and Goliath. Oh, that's so cool. And then a story about a Red Sea, that's so cool. And then you get to the parts about Jesus. And I'm not even not sure I understand that, but the miracles, you know, that's so cool. And, and before we know it, the, the story of Jesus is a Bible story. It's a story in the Bible. You need to understand if there had been no resurrection, there would have been no church. And if there was no church, there was nobody to document the story of the resurrection because the resurrection never happened. Apart from the resurrection of Jesus, there is no Bible. And as we're gonna see, the Bible only became a collection of these extraordinary ancient documents because of what happened in the church in the 300 years following the first century. So there's a lot of things that he said there, some good actually, some not so good. The first flaw being that um, the entire Bible is the story of Jesus. It's the story of God. The entire Bible, Old and New Testament, is about God. God is the character. God is the main character in all of Scripture. It's all about God. It's not about us. It's about God. Scripture is about God. It always has been, always will be about God. It's not about us. And that's definitely the biggest, one of the worst premises that a lot of pastors and I'm not saying that Andy Stanley's doing that in this instance, but I'm sure he does this regularly, is they make the Bible about us and not about God. So that is uh, something that he missed but he was right to say that without Jesus, there would not be a Bible. That part was correct. But what needed but where that started off wrong was he said that the first century was where uh, Jesus and is the reason why we have a Bible. We have a Bible because everything led up to that. So to say that the story of Christianity, you know, and only talk about the first century, not going to talk about the fall, you're missing key elements of the gospel there. You're missing key elements of the gospel there. Because if you don't talk about the fall of man and how God devised a plan, you know, and really before we were even created and before the whole earth, God foreknew this plan. Then we're really missing out on the whole picture here. And Andy Stanley, again, this guy is pretty famously unhitched from the Old Testament which would explain why it's conspicuously absent in this account or in his Glenn Beck style chalkboard. Uh, one thing that he did not note, and this would have been good to note, this is again why the Bible, specifically the gospel accounts are credible, is that they are documented really quickly compared to other historical events. Uh, if we look at things like the Trojan War or... Uh, yeah, the Trojan War being a very good example. It's this mega epic of a 
of a historical event, yet is documented hundreds of years later. So the Bible, far more reliable. And that that, that same type of trend of things being documented uh, far later than things in the Bible were documented, uh, it, it, it's a widespread trend throughout history. So... If even one of if even one of the gospels or the accounts of Jesus' life is true, then you need to lean in. Okay, enough of that. And here's another flaw in the premise. If God is all powerful, why would he allow you know, if God is who he says he is, I, I should rephrase it like that. Why would he allow his word to be inaccurate? Why would he allow one gospel account to be true while allowing another gospel account to be in the canon that's false. Why would God, why, if God were who God says he is in the Bible, why would that same God allow errant accounts of Jesus, his son in this, in the Bible? I'm going to stop right here because we've seen the fundamental premise of Andy Stanley's sermon series. And that fundamental premise is that the gospel can be unhitched from the Bible. And he's going to itemize the four gospels and probably show why they are credible. All at the same time, while allowing the premise that the rest of the Bible is not credible to persist. And this is, again, theological liberalism, where you pick and choose which parts of the Bible you believe based off the level of faith that you have. And there won't be real genuine faith in that. You know, the reason why people don't believe the Bible is ultimately because God doesn't allow them to. It is God who does the saving. God saves people. People do not save themselves. So it is God who opens our eyes to his glory. It is God who opens our eyes to his saving grace. And it is God that causes us to believe his word faithfully because God is the source of our faith. The Holy Spirit indwells in us. That is the source of our faith. So ultimately... The path is narrow. We can't artificially widen the narrow path that Jesus sets out for his church. We can't artificially widen that. We just can't. Andy Stanley is trying to open up the doors of Christianity, the arms of Christianity, to people who do not fundamentally believe that God is who he says he is. That's an issue. That is, again, ultimately leads to a false gospel. Now, just a reminder of what the gospel is. The gospel, you know, Andy Stanley wants to talk about the resurrection, and the resurrection did happen. God did rise from the dead via his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did rise from the dead, and that rising from the dead, after being crucified on the cross for our sins, our sins, because mankind rebelled against God, so Jesus came to earth, was born via a virgin so that he would not have the original sin of Adam inherited through you know his bloodline. So Jesus was born of a virgin. He was the second Adam and he lived a perfect life. He did not sin against God, unlike all of us. 
and he paid the ransom for our sin to satisfy the wrath of God, not the wrath of Satan, but the wrath of God on the cross. So Jesus not only lived a perfect life, he paid our penalty for our rebellion against God. Because God is the creator of the universe. He is the creator. He created us with a purpose. We defied that purpose, but God is ultimately the creator here. And he has the power to send us to heaven. He has the power to send us to hell. And with Jesus Christ, we get to go to heaven and be glorified and spend eternity with God. In the meantime, however, day by day, the Christian life is up and down. We will be sanctified until our final glorification. So that's the gospel. Andy Stanley undermines the gospel because he undermines the basis for which the gospel rests upon, and that is scripture. The gospel rests upon scripture. Everything that I said about the gospel is based off scripture. It's not based off Andy Stanley's opinion of the resurrection. It's based off scripture, which is why we know there is a resurrection. Why we know Jesus uh, is who he says he was. Why God is who he says he was. And... You know, there's the four Gospels, which are the account of Jesus. And then a lot of times we call that the, uh, the, the epistles, the Gospel explained. And the Gospel explained goes back to the Old Testament. It summarizes the whole of Scripture, particularly the Book of Romans does as well, which is why we have the Romans Road. It summarizes the whole of Scripture and how it ties together. All of Scripture ties together. All of Scripture is telling the story of the gospel. So that's that's really where I want to end up or end off on this video is what is the gospel? Why Scripture, all of Scripture tells us the gospel. So that's all I got to say about that for today. My name is Ray. This is the Evangelical Dark Web. If you like this kind of content, subscribe to the channel. If you really like this kind of content, uh, you can become a Patreon-like subscriber at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join if you want to support content like this. Uh, let me know what you think about what I think in the comments section, and I will catch you on the next one. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.